2: so much for listening and Enjoy- hope you're enjoying i guess enjoying might be the wrong term your daylight savings time i hate daylight savings time i learned that this morning i learned that every spring but this morning i i learned it again daylight saving sucks just the worst we'll probably get into that at some point today you know the important stuff no sports going on right no ncaa tournament royals baseball's back no chiefs we're gonna get into the hard-hitting stuff like Daylight saving sucks. Like I said, I am Rob Brinton. You can catch me on the drive from two to six. I produced that show with Carrington Harrison and I am hosting today for Bink Sunday. It's Sunday is with Rob. We're hoping to have Nick Schwartz on the show momentarily. Talk a little college hoop, a lot of college hoop. Tis the season college hoop time. We had the big 12 tournament last night, big 12 tournament championship last night, just an incredible weekend in Kansas city. As always, even despite the weather Kansas City showed up and showed out at the Big 12 tournament. Grant Nicholson is producing today. Grant, a little bit of flu game. I know you're struggling through it. A little illness, a little sickness. Is this an actual illness, or is this the Bruce is gone, I had a party in brown bottle flu type of illness? I think
3: it's legitimate. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's something else. Maybe I caught Bruce's whatever, but you're right, Bruce. No more. Bruce, no more. We'll start there because
2: I think that's the biggest thing because – Bruce Weber resigned, I want to get the verbiage right here, earlier this week from the being the head basketball coach at Kansas State University. He is no more, and before we get into who's next and his tenure and all that, he obviously resigned to beat the axe. It's pretty obvious that he was going to get the axe, the three straight bad seasons at Kansas State. They were a bubble team for a minute this season. They had that terrible week. They lost to Oklahoma, they lost to Oklahoma state. They lost to Kansas. They lost to Iowa state. It was just, it was a flurry of losses that took them off the bubble. And in turn took Bruce out of put Bruce out of work. And granted, I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit here. Cause you're the K state guy, a caricature of K state fans, if you will. But on his way out, I thought Bruce resigned to beat the ax and all that stuff. And I'm a big Bruce Weber guy, but, I thought this was lame on his way out. In his exit press conference, I guess for lack of a better term, his I'm resigning press conference, he was the K-State put on. It was all very weird because he was on a Zoom and the background was like Kansas State Athletics and it was all K-State stuff. And Bruce talking about how much he loved K-State and he loves his players and the whole nine yards. But he then took a weird shot at the K-State social media team. And I thought it was lame. Listen to this.
1: Earlier in the season, one of the social media people asked how we can get more people in the stands. I would tell you and challenge you just like I do to myself and to our players. You might look in the mirror. There's no doubt winning helps. I know that. Everybody knows that. But the negativity that surrounds K-State sports at times is really, really sad to me. This is the only school that I've been associated with that I am afraid to give our recruits and have them connected with our social media because what they will hear and see. I know other coaches in our department feel the same way. Hopefully that with that can change maybe with the new coach and, and everybody can be Positive about uh, K State and K State athletics.
2: How lame is that, Bruce? You did you you had so much dignity. You were a good guy. You're you didn't win at the highest level, and that's fine. And I understand the game's the game. But the social media team needs to look into the mirror. They're the problem. That is the lamest thing I've ever heard. And this is on the heels of what I thought was a fantastic six minute answer to a question like what's your future he talked about he loves his players he took a shot at KU which emboldened the K-State fans K-State fans love taking shots at KU and the FBI he did all the right stuff and then the next day he resigns and he then blames the social media team take a look in the mirror that's why we're struggling come on you know what really gets fans in the stands Bruce winning winning yes and other coaches in our department Oh, let's just throw the other people under the bus too. I'm sure Chris Kleiman loves catching that stray. I love he lo- I bet he loves thinking, oh, the social media team's screwing me. That is that was really lame. Grant, you've informed me that Nick Schwartz is there. We'll have Nick on for an hour. Nick? First off, how are you? Second off, do you think that was as lame as I do?
4: Uh, first question first, I'm doing awful because <laughs> yeah. wow. I'm so sad because of all the things that are happening in college basketball that Bruce Weber just laid out for you. It just sucks. It's the sad part about – he's right. He's right, man. It's the sad part about college basketball. It's just that you know, people aren't doing things the right way and there's there's too many cheaters out there. And if, if everybody were just playing by the rules, then I think – K State would be a powerhouse. I think that Bruce Weber would be revered as one of the top five or ten coaches in college basketball, but it's it's just unfortunate that a few bad eggs gotta ruin it for everybody. I mean he's can he
2: here's the question. He did say in the press conference, I guess that was Wednesday now, that he can cut his hair when the FBI people get caught. Will Wade caught is he gonna cut his hair?
4: Oh, uh, well huh. I, I think I think every other coach in America could get caught, but he's not snipping those <laughs> locks until Bill Self gets punished. I think we all know this isn't about the college basketball coaches as a whole. This is about one man, and he lives about I don't know sixty miles down the road. It was just
2: ugh, it was so lame, and you're right. The Everyone in college basketball cheats, so spare me the, well, Bruce did it the right way. Well, you're going to lose doing it the right way. You know who else did it the right way? Kim Anderson. They did a lot of losing. College basketball is a a dirty, dirty game, but for him to be like, I'm take the moral high ground and talk about, you know, I'm not going to cut my hair and blah, 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 and then blaming the social media team,
4: it just, Bruce. Yeah, that's what he does. That's what he does, dude. I mean, and listen, and listen, I know there are K-State fans listening who just immediately want to push and say that you were KU homers. Here's the deal, man. I don't actually, Bruce Weber, if I'm to succinctly sum up him as a coach, I would say he is a horrible recruiter. And he's a good coach. And he has gotten quite a bit out of lesser talent. But the problem with the way that, that he sort of laid everything out there is that that is Bruce Weber's Kansas State career in a nutshell. I'll never forget the game, and I think it was 2018, maybe it was 2019, when he infamously had the Ask Fran quote, walking out of the locker room when complaining about officiating. And I get it. It's Allen Fieldhouse. KU tends to get a friendly whistle coaches get frustrated. That's fine. The problem is that as the head coach, when you're continually pointing the finger elsewhere, when you're continually making it about things other than the job that you've done, because in that press conference back in 2018, I'll never forget when he said that he wasn't, he's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to get fined. And I've worked too hard. And then you go to the the press conference in Kansas City on Wednesday night after losing to West Virginia, and he's sitting there saying, you know, uh, talking about how hard he's worked and all the things that he's done, and he's done things the right way, and he's never gotten the credit, and that's too bad. It's constantly this woe is me, which is just a loser mentality. It just is. Whether you like the guy or don't like the guy, whether you think he was a good coach or a bad coach, he has made a name for himself by constantly – pointing fingers elsewhere. And I think that sort of mentality has ripple effects on the team. So if you ever want to look at like maybe why it was time for a change in Kansas state it's because I think he, I don't know if he losing the locker room is the right term, but you can't do that over and over again and expect to, to continue to inspire the kids that you're supposed to be coaching.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's clear that the, one of the ripple effects was the other coaches in the conference didn't like his whining mentality. I remember the KU game this year in Lawrence, it was pretty apparent that self wanted to put hundred on him. Like he didn't take his starters out until they got a hundred on a hapless K state team at the time. I was at that game. They were punishing Kansas state. Kansas state had no answer. It was, it was a, a boat race with the, un, at the under four and he's not bringing T in until he can put a hundred on him. So you're right. He's a whiner. He's a loser, and all the week leading well, up to— Well, you said—I sh-
4: didn't say whiner or loser. You, <laughs> yeah. said, Nick, you said whiner or I loser. I want everyone to
2: know what happened here. Nick Schwartz, producer of Cody and Gold, <laughs> said Bruce Weber is a whiner and a loser. That's that's how I heard the quote. Grant heard the same way. We'll play the audio if we need to. You said whiner and loser. Big loser. It's but, illegal for
4: you to say that.
2: <laughs> I do think you made a good point, though, when you said he's a terrible recruiter, because he is. But he's kind of the embodiment of what college basketball is no longer— College basketball you used to be able to a place like Kansas State or these second-level programs, the non-Blue Bloods. You find a great crop of recruits. You coach them up for four years. They come through the system together, and they are great in their junior and senior year. Kind of what he did with Dean Wade and Barry Brown. That's not the way college basketball is played anymore. With the transfer portal and everything else, he just seemed like he was playing 1995 college basketball in 2022 with his recruiting style.
4: Yeah, but I think a lot of that, and, and what he would tell you is that it's because he runs a clean program and that he isn't going to use shady recruiting practices to get players. But to your point, when you're, if you want to run a clean program, that's great. And I think history will actually remember you fondly for it. You'll be known as the guy who ran a clean program and did things the right way. And if that's important to you, then congratulations. But to thump your chest on the way out of town, as you're effectively getting fired, and saying, "Well, I did things the right way," and to to invoke the FBI situation, which, by the way, to grow your hair out to look like that as some sort of an own of on somebody else, like I, man, I don't know how to break this to you, but uh, you're kind of owning yourself by way looking to like that. let's stick it to him, Bruce. Yeah, uh, but but here's the issue that I have, Rob. Honestly, the the part that that annoyed me more than anything else is for any college coach, anyone to stand behind that FBI investigation as some sort of like bastion of integrity and to say that like, I'm still waiting for some, something to happen for those people from the FBI. There are people sitting in jail right now because of that FBI investigation. There are kids, dozens of them across the country whose careers were affected, some ended for stuff that they had nothing to do with. So if you want to say that the coaches need to be punished, fine, go right ahead. You have every right to do that because you're a coach, you've earned that right. But everybody knew that that FBI investigation was a sham from the beginning. People are doing jail time, losing their jobs, kids are being... Uh, moved across the country their basketball careers are being altered or ruined forever and so to to use that vehicle to talk about the integrity of college athletics i think it's a joke i think it's a joke and i and i think that anybody who pays any close attention to college basketball now if you just want to sit there and say oh cheating integrity blah 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 okay you're just mad that your team's not winning because every major, 95% of programs in the country are skirting the rules to try and get an advantage. This is even a college basketball thing. You know how big business works. This is big money college athletics. In any business in this world where large sums of money are being transacted, people are skirting rules to gain an advantage. It's the way the world works. So, I mean, if Bruce Weber wants to wants to talk about integrity and that. And it's fine. You're on your way out. I get it. People are emotional, so you want to go scorched earth. That's cool, but. Um, it was just it's kind of a loser mentality. It's a loser mentality, and that's part of the reason why he got fired. Yeah. I know he can get fired, but I don't want to hear that.
2: Yeah, he 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 beat, he basically kept being fired off his resume by resigning. It's the you know Costanza. You can't fire me, I quit. Mm-hmm. You he, <laughs> you mentioned the history, you know, clean program thing. Does history look at clean programs favorably? Maybe it's just like the local view, but like Kim Anderson ran a clean program. They stunk. No one looks back at that era and goes, wow, he was great. Konzo Martin, and we'll talk about Missouri later. By all indications, he ran a clean program. Fired. Mizzou fans say he stunk. They want someone else. Bruce Weber, clean program. All I heard from K-State fans post-Big 12 title was, I hate this guy. Run him out of town. He stinks. On a national level, the FBI got, what, three people? Patino, who was just doing too much he was having you know hooker parties that's different than you know college basketball cheating Sean Miller who'll be back in college basketball any minute now and Will Wade who I think will be back in college basketball you say history remembers clean programs fondly I don't know it does No I don't
4: I think I don't think they remember clean programs fondly I think I I I, I was just saying if you are a clean coach and that's been sort of your um like think the headliner for you, that's great. Like uh, Mike Bray's another guy. Yeah, Mike Bray has always been talked about as saying like he doesn't skirt the rules. Like this guy runs a clean program. So if you want uh, – what I mean by that is that like I can always – nobody can ever say otherwise of Bruce Weber. Nobody can ever accuse him of not doing things the right way. But to your point, like the job is to win. The job is to win. You are a power conference basketball program. The job is to win. And if you refuse to play the game in order to win, that's your prerogative. But when you get 3 losing seasons in 3 years, you're going to be out on your ass, which is where Bruce Weber is now.
2: I don't I I don't think it's unique to college basketball. I think you you mentioned it, big business, big college athletics. I think everyone to an extent cheats a little bit. It's a dirty game, it's a dirty sport, it's a dirty whatever but if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, at the end of the day, fans don't care about clean programs. They don't. Like, if I were to ask the text line, hey, K-State fans, are you happy with Bruce Weber? They'd say, no, who cares about the cleanliness? We stunk the last three seasons. We want to get a new guy.
3: I do want to talk about this, though. I... Hey, but let me interject here. I know we're doing the, the Bruce Weber pile-on yeah, thing it's... here, and that that's fine. I get it. It's but just... Bruce did have, like, he had four to five really good seasons as K-State's basketball coach. Really good? Yeah, pretty good. 20 win seasons at K-State? Come on. Four to five pretty good years. And while I was in college, he had a number of those, and it's a lot of good memories. And, you know, he wasn't the best coach, and we can make fun of him because he did do things, quote, the right way. And I think that there's some merit to that. But I don't don't want this to just be like, oh, Bruce Weber sucked forever. Because that wasn't the case. You're right. He did some good stuff there, and I think that that should be commended.
2: You're 100% right. He did not suck forever, but... Don't act like K-State fans had the warming embrace to him. They hated him the minute he showed up. People were cheering against him from yeah, the because word of the whole, go. Yeah,
3: because of the Frank Martin thing, and they didn't like the way the transition was made, and that's fair. I understand that. But, like, we can make fun of him forever, but he did do some really good stuff. No, and, I,
4: and honestly, nothing, I, and I hope it didn't come off this way, but, like, nothing that I was saying I was trying to insinuate that he was a bad coach. I mean, to me, like my criticisms of Bruce Weber are more that he's just kind of a loser and I'm, and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. That, like, and I know that that's not like the best, most succinct uh, way to, to sort of say that, but yeah, he did. I mean, he, he had that stretch there from like 20, 17, 18, 19 with that class where he did some really good things. Like that was sort of the the best three year stretch that he had. It's, None of the, none of my feelings about Bruce Weber about how he was as a coach, because quite frankly, I don't think you're doing any better than him. That's, I understand. I understand changing for the sake of change, where it feels like maybe that relationship's run its course. Totally get that. Uh, and I don't. I'm not convinced that you're going to go out and get somebody who's going to do a better job than he did. For me, it's just about the idea that you're going to start beating your chest on the way out of town and talk about how things, how hard things were for you and how you ran a clean program you now social media was too negative. Okay, then go get one of them jobs at one of them schools where all the all the fans are nicer all, all the time, Bruce. And, and like, I knew- uh, try being a kid. By the way, try being the coach at Kansas, where if you leave the wrong lineup in for, for an extra ninety seconds, fans are saying that you suck and that you're stubborn and that that Ku needs to go get a new coach because that happens every single game for the last decade.
2: Play your McDonald's All American for too long. Oh, we hate Bill Self. Why is McCormick even out there? Come on. I mean- and I knew
3: exactly what you meant, Nick. Like I understood the the point that you're trying to make. But I also did want to give him his flowers a little bit because he did do some good stuff there. And it is it did fall pretty weird. At but the he kind of like,
4: ruined it, Doug Grant. Like, I think people would be giving him his flowers no, this week uh, had agree. he not went out the way he
3: did. No, I 100% agree with that. I think that that's the, the correct point that you're making as well because the stuff at the end was really weird. That extra press conference was weird. And he's like, oh, the fans are too negative. It's like, I think that's college basketball in the year 2022. Like, he's much more suited for, like low major basketball like he's a he's a mid-major coach at this point yeah you think he's gonna get another job yes i think he wants to coach i, he, I think where he wants though? to get to 500
2: wins i think that's i his, think that's his, his goal. alma
3: mater is looking for a coach milwaukee i mean i think he's a, he's a mid-major coach that's Here where we go go that but that's such, that's a small program
2: i mean he got he cut his teeth at southern illinois and he was good at southern illinois and then he probably got overexposed to illinois and k-state i I think a UW-Milwaukee is a perfect job for Bruce. Last thing on K-State, because I don't want to spend all day talking about K-State. You mentioned Frank Martin, and you mentioned who it's next, Nick. I've seen a lot of people on social media saying Brad Underwood's next. Why on earth would Big Brad Underwood leave Illinois, a number one seed and Big Ten champion, why would he leave there to go to Kansas State? I know he's an alum. I know he's from some small town in Kansas. I apologize for not knowing the name of the town off the top of my head. There's no chance they get Brad Underwood, right? I mean, this is just nonsense talk.
4: Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't. I mean, it's a, it's a big buyout. It's eight million dollars. So that, that's the first hurdle you have to get over. In terms of his interest, uh, I mean, there's no, there's no argument that Kansas State's a better program than Illinois. So that that's just, there's a there's really. No- you
2: really, do you really are you you really think Kansas State's a better program than No, America? I said
4: there's no argument oh, that it is. Okay, I thought you said there's no way. I'm like, No, what? In, in fact, quite the opposite. Um and if I would say this, I don't know if this is still happening, but I remember when Brad Underwood first got to Illinois, he was getting criticized um because he I guess he was doing a really bad job of recruiting kids in Chicago. Now I think that's probably changed a little bit, but Chicago coaches were upset because they were saying, like, he just wasn't coming to games, he wasn't coming to their schools, he wasn't, you know, forging those relationships. So it was sort of rocky with relationships, and from a recruiting standpoint, he is going to lose a lot of guys after this year, so if there were ever a time to leave, it probably would be this year. But, again, I, that's just, to me, it's, a, it's that would be a step backwards, but you can't tell that to these to these guys. If Kansas State's willing to put a bag at his feet, And if he's willing to to say I'll I'll sacrifice a few things to go to my alma mater, then I'll do it. I think I think he's. I don't think they're getting
2: him. I think his people are you know floating his name and et cetera et cetera just to get a bigger deal at Illinois. Yeah, I think it's extension time at Illinois because I think he wants a bigger buyout. I think he wants a bigger paycheck. And if you start you know quietly floating your name to Kansas state and hold, oh, we might buy pay his buyout. You probably get a, a big contract at the end of the day, but
4: he's losing like everybody. You're right. He does like it's a huge senior class there.
2: All right. We're going to take a break here on Sunday to Rob. We'll come back. We'll talk about actual basketball. that was played yesterday, Kansas won the big 12 tournament. KU fans tell me they don't care about the big 12 tournament until they win it. It's my favorite game in March. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about if Remy Martin is back and if that's good or bad for Kansas. And we'll talk about Joe Linardi's latest bracketology, which KU fans are upset about because it's a loaded region. That's next on Sundays with Rob.
0: You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
2: Welcome back. Sundays with Rob. I'm your host, Rob Britton. Filling in for Jay Bankley. You can catch me on the drive from 2 to 6 every weekday. You can also catch the Nutmeg podcast, which I host. We'll talk about a lot of sporting can't-see on that podcast. We won't talk about sporting can see today because they looked terrible yesterday. A lot of bad. Bad, bad, bad. Jay South. Jay Southland Toser Service text lines mad at me because uh, I suggested people go see Batman because Batman was awesome. Top text. They won't... They want me to pay their ticket fee back because they said Batman was terrible. Batman was awesome. You're just a hater. I didn't know Robert Pattinson could play that character. He did a very good job. Want to go see that? Have you not seen it yet? You're like the last person in America to
4: not see it. Been busy, man. It's called the basketball season. I mean, there's plenty of time to sneak out and see Batman. I may try and go see it this week. I may try and go see it like, uh, like tomorrow or Monday or Tuesday. So you're gonna be- it? you're gonna skip the first four. You're not gonna watch two 16 seeds battle it out. Uh, if Bryant if if Bryant is in the first four, then I will watch it. Have you? Are you familiar with Bryant? Is that and, the
2: dude who does? All, is that the yeah.
4: fans that got in the fight with Wagner? Is that Peter the, Kiss? Their yeah. star players, Peter Kiss. He was the nation's leading scorer. He averaged like 26 points a game. Uh, he did not go about that in an efficient manner. He is a I mean, Marshall Henderson, right? He is a chucker. Yeah. He shoots like 29% from three, but he shoots like seven threes a game. So imagine o- <laughs> so imagine Ochai Abaji, instead of shooting 44% from three, he shot about 29%. And unlike Ochai, he is going to taunt and dance and celebrate after every single made basket. It's electric. So I'm praying for a Bryant-Kansas matchup in the first round.
2: He, uh, Marshall Henderson's a great comparison, volume shooter, a lot of buckets, a lot of missed buckets, a lot of taunting, just, just what you want as a fan in the 16 game. I uh, you know who won't be in the 16, 16 game, Bella, Mar- Bella, mine or whatever. They got screwed. Mean. Yeah. They got screwed by the NCAA stupid rule, S- really stupid rule. For those who don't know, they can't, they're on a like, welcome to the F- division one probation periods. They can't play in the postseason yet. It's, it's all stupid. I, I that's my official 16 seed take. It's all stupid that that team couldn't make it and be a 16 seed. And Bryant has the best taunter in college basketball. That is all you'll hear about 16 seeds from me. Speaking of seeding, Joe Lenardi has his latest bracketology out. Now, I don't know where he ranks in the bracket matrix as far as how good he is at this thing. I usually use Jerry Palm, and then someone informed me recently Jerry Palm's terrible at this. I don't. I don't really keep track of what analysts are good or bad at bracketology. But Joe Leonardo's latest
4: bracketology has Kansas as a one seed. Woohoo! But, do you want me to? Do you want me to give you actual? Do you want me to give you yeah, Leonardo's ranking? Yeah, you absolutely can. Do you have it? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Hear it. So Bracket Matrix. What Bracket Matrix does? You can just go to bracketmatrix.com. It's the only one I use. Um, so they give you the aggregated average brackets so they just take literally every single bracketologist it makes it easier for me i don't have to cross compare i just do the averages (laughs)
2: just look at the site
4: Yeah. so they have they compile 135 different bracketologists and joe Lenardi, and they over the last over five-year running score they go the average of like how close they are to actually getting it right of 135 bracketologists, Joe Lunardi ranks 55th. Right
2: in the right in the thick of the curve. Who's the Who's the best then? What, what person should I be reading for bracketology? Because someone's tweet out the no, there. that Jerry
4: Palm is like 103rd or something. Uh, let's look where Jerry Palm is. Jerry Palm is a hundredth. Mm. Smack to have a hundredth. Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem with this whole conversation is that when I tell you the name of the person who's number one, it's going to sort of. Uh, delegitimize everything that I just talked about. <laughs> who, is, who, who is the name that delegitimize? It's going to take, take years off my life just saying this on the air. Um, the name of the guy who is number one, the most accurate bracketologist in the world is somebody who goes by Crazy Sports Dude. And you can find his brackets and his bracketology... At crazy com. So you're telling me that I should ignore
2: Joey Brackets and go to Crazy com, which I'm a hundred percent doing now. <laughs> I want you to know that. I've gone to Crazy com because that's what that's what this show's all about. You know, uh-huh. CrazysportsDude.com. Okay, so I'm going to ignore Joe Linardi's bracket. We'll just change the topic here as we go, because Joe, <laughs> Joe Linardi's terrible 55th bracket had Kansas in a tough region, and I was yeah. going to talk about how Kansas fans are freaking out because a fake bracket came out this morning, and the KU fans are upset about how difficult it is, but let's see what Crazy Sports Dude says. That's right. Where's Crazy Sports Dude? His site is an absolute eyesore. How do I get to your actual bracket? Well, sorry, he doesn't
4: have the backing of, uh, well, Walt Disney.
2: <laughs> well, that may. <laughs> well, crazy sports dudes bracket has KU as a one seed, and the two seed is Kentucky. Here's my, th- which is also what Joey brackets has. Probably it's exactly the same.
4: It's Kansas, a- Kentucky, Wisconsin, UCLA. So
2: with the backing of Walt Disney, he just cheated off crazy sports dudes answers.
4: Yeah, crazy
2: <laughs> sports dude should sue or something. It really should. Here's my thing because. KU fans like to freak out about the brackets before, during, and after Selection Sunday, which is today, by the way, 5.30, 5 o'clock. I'm sure CBS will drag it out for three hours. It's going to be awful to watch. But here's my thing with the brackets, because I have a lot of KU fan friends, and you are a KU fan, and I'm a KU fan. You see them on social media. I think it's lame when KU fans are like, oh, it's a tough region. If you're going to win the NCAA tournament, you have to go through good teams. It's just, it's that simple. So when KU fans or really any fan base looks at a Joey bracket or looks at a crazy sports dude, or when the actual brackets come out and they say, oh, it's just so tough. We have to play Kentucky. Oh, Wisconsin in our region too. This is a nightmare. Here's the harsh reality. You don't get to play six, 16 seeds and you're out to the national title. You have to play tough teams. So maybe I'm alone in this take, but. I don't care what the teams are in the bracket because they're going to be good teams because it's the best of the best at this point.
4: Yeah, I, I I can't iterate strongly enough how little I pay attention to bracketology. I'm only doing this because we're talking about it but and because it's Selection Sunday. like This is the first time all year where I'll actually pay attention to bracketology. Here's the other thing. like B- Baylor's going to look at their region and they're going to see Auburn as the two-seed. With Walker Kessler seven two and Jabari Smith is going to be the number one player in the country is their two seed. You you really really want that? You, so you so you're mad about Kentucky, but then you want you'd rather play the next best front court in the country. Okay, then who's the three seed in that region? Uh, Villanova, who is one of the hottest teams in the country right now. Four seed Illinois, they have Kofi Coburn. Good luck stopping him. So we can do this all day. Same thing with Purdue. Like, look at the. Because here's the thing with Kansas specifically. I know you're making this about an every year thing, but specifically with this year, after we saw that beatdown that Kent, Kentucky gave Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse, mm-hmm. the conversation was like, well, we we don't want to see a team with really good big guys. We don't want to see a team that plays super physical down low. These are the two seeds, Rob Kentucky, Auburn, Duke, Purdue. They all seem to have big guys who play well down low. They all—they're like the four best teams in the country at getting buckets inside. Duke, not quite. Purdue, there's nobody, there's not a program in the country better than uh, post touches and getting inside buckets than Purdue. Matt Painter's done an incredible job with that program. Auburn has Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. Kentucky has Oscar Shebue. There is no, there is no path that does not include having to go through one of those teams as your two seed because those are the two seeds. So. Uh, I just want to get out in front of it. It's not going to stop anything. Everyone's still going to complain and say that it's the region of death. But actually, you know what? There are years. There have been a few years where it's been on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. Where it's like, oh my gosh, okay, you couldn't have gotten any luckier. This path is so easy. They're so much better than all these teams. It's like, okay. like the- I, I just, I, I don't, you, first off, you're not going to have to play all these teams. Exactly. That's the thing one, about two, to say. three, four.
2: You don't have to play all of them. Yeah, it's not it's not a round robin where you play everyone in your region. It's <laughs> it's possible, like, you know, let's say, you know, Seton Hall or Memphis. Memphis is really playing really good basketball right now. Let's say Memphis is a 10 seed, knocks out of Kentucky. Well, then the narrative around this all changes. And I, I am painting with a broad brush about every season, but you're right. The two seeds that right now you look at, they're all teams that would give fits to Kansas. But that's not the two seeds fault. That's not the brackets fault. That's not some sort of rigged system or anything like that. You know what it is? Kansas doesn't have a very good front court this year. They just don't. They it's I mean, it's Mitch Lightfoot who's got hurt yesterday. It's Dave McCormick who every fan hates and it's end of list basically because KJ Adams is kind of small and Zach Clements is never on the floor. So when inevitably you're right, KU fans tonight complain, oh, Kentucky, man, that's a matchup nightmare. That's unfair. Well. Every team that's big is a matchup nightmare, and that's not the matchup. That's not the bracket. That's the fact that your team is not good at something. That's just the reality of the situation.
4: Yes, because there's no perfect team. Like, if, if Kansas were the number one team with a bullet, like if this was 2020, the year that, that we didn't get a tournament, if it were that year, then Kansas wouldn't give a damn who was in their region. Exactly. But they, that's not this team. Every team now has weaknesses, so you're looking to avoid teams that can expose those weaknesses, but... That just doesn't exist. It's not going to happen. And to your point earlier, I, the other thing
2: about brackets that I don't, I don't overreact to brackets, I, I, I don't really read bracketology. I, again, it's election Sunday, so today I'm doing it. I'm hosting this. Like, you know, there's got, we've got to talk about something. So you might as well read some brackets. But KU fans are like, oh, Kentucky? Oh, Wisconsin? Oh, man. Arizona's in our... Like, whatever, however it shakes out, just because they're in your region doesn't mean you have to play them. A lot can happen between when the 1 and 2s here are supposed to meet.
4: Then and I would also like to say, by the way, this is not a Kansas thing. No, it happens. The only reason we make it into a Kansas thing is because there's no other programs in the area that are routinely in the tournament. Therefore, all you hear about are Kansas things. But go to Kentucky, go to Duke, they're doing the exact same thing.
2: 100%. I was about to say, Duke fans... Always complain about their region, and non-Duke fans always say, "Wow, Duke has it easy." I'm sure non-KU fans look at KU with the one seed most year and go, "Man, what are they complaining about? That that area it's so soft and cushy and easy." Meanwhile, KU fans are like, "Oh, the metrics on that 12 seed. If it ends up in the Sweet 16, what a nightmare it's gonna be!" Like, there's there's a lot that can happen, and you're right. Every fan base that's a one or two seed every year does this, and KU is the one we use locally because. No offense to Missouri or K-State, they're rarely a one seed. And the one year they were, they got, or Mizzou, they got bounced early, so it didn't really matter. But I just, I I know tonight what social media is going to look like. There's going to be the bloggers, the fans, the podcasters, the probably us, saying, oh man, what a matchup nightmare if KU has to run into Team X. But you're right, there is no perfect team in college basketball. There's no perfect Kansas team this year. It's just... It's all nonsense to me because people get so worked up about things that could happen and then it never ends up happening what we think.
4: Well, I, the, the, only one, the only one I would say, I don't think there is a matchup nightmare for Kansas, by the way, for what it's worth. I think the really? only team yeah, now, um, I think the only team I would be not, not disappointed to see, but just like fearful of, it is Kentucky because I think they're a better team. Like, I just think Kentucky's a better team than Kansas. But I think KU's a top five team in the country. Like the, the AP poll or whether you want to look at advanced metrics, like all of those reflect, reflect pretty accurately. And they happen to be playing their best basketball this the season at the right time. So that's a plus. But Kentucky's the only team because I think Kentucky legitimately is a better team. But like Auburn, for example, like, yes, they have great big guys. Auburn's also terrible on offense. Like
0: mm-hmm. their
4: guards are not good. They turn the ball over a lot. They're not a good rebounding team. Bill Self will look at that and find ways to take advantage of it. Like, looking at the, at the other teams on the two line, Purdue, they've got great big guys. They might have the number one offense in the country. Their defense is terrible. Their defense is ter- They rank 102nd in defensive efficiency. So, like, I'm not going to go through every team, but, like, you get the point. Like, all of these perceived teams that you don't want to go up against, there's a reason they wound up on the two line. Do conclude it. Their defense is pretty meh. So Bill Self and his coaching staff is going to look at whatever your weakness is and try and take advantage of it. I would just say this, Rob. I would just say this, and I don't know if we have to go to a break, but uh, 2018, the Kansas team that went to a Final Four, that Duke team with Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter Jr., two lottery picks mm-hmm. down low, that was perceived to be the worst possible matchup for Kansas because KU was playing four guards, one big, and the one big, Doak, was injured with the knee injury, so they had to end up going to Silvio DeSosa, who was hardly playing at that time. If you had Spee McKayluk and Malik Newman banging in the post versus Marvin Bagley, who ended up going top three, they won that game. So we do these we do these these sort of nightmare scenarios and bad matchups, but that was as bad a bad matchup as you could perceive and okay, you won the game and went to the final four.
2: We do have to break. I'll ask you this real quick before we break, because I know you love the narrative. You're a big narrative guy. You Shut love the, hell up. the narrative. Shut up. Are you excited for the narrative tonight when KU gets a one seed and Kentucky doesn't that all the CBS broadcasters are like, but wait, Kentucky beat
4: Kansas. How is this possible? Are you stoked for that narrative? No, no, I'm not. No, I'm turning my TV off if that happens. <laughs> if if anybody said if you say the word narrative again, I'm turning my microphone off as well. <laughs>
2: Oh, you're, you're such a big – you love that. You it's, it's your favorite thing to do. It's in sports. stupidest talk radio. thing in the world. Why are we talking about <laughs> narratives? <laughs> well, Grant is yelling at me because we need to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more college basketball. It's Selection Sunday. You're listening to Sundays with Rob.
0: You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network.
3: You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two
1: more two more.
3: You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the remarkable fighter. Drink
4: responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
2: Welcome back to Bank Sunday. I am Rob Brinton filling in for Jay Bankley when I host this show. It's called Sundays with Rob. You can always interact with the show on the Jay Southland Toaster's text line, 913-576-7610. Joined right now by Nick Schwartz, producer of Cody and Gold, host of the Wave in the Wheat Podcast, host of Jayhawk Talk Radio. Nick, do you do anything else at this station? It feels like you're not doing
4: enough. You're doing you're doing too little. No. No, that's it, man. I think you covered it. By the way, new episode of the Wave in the Wheat Podcast coming out tonight. A special selection Sunday. Ooh, emer- w- Would you call it an emergency pod? Uh, n- well, no, because I've already recorded the interview. Oh. <laughs> hey, Grant, get, you have a breaking news sounder? Um, I want I, to break some news on this show, oh, if you'll let me. Oh, look at this. Grant, if you go to the Cody and Gold folder and just search for breaking, I got, uh, I got he is, something.
2: He's fired up to look for breaking news sounders. You yeah. You sprung this on Grant. He's ha- having his flu game. He's trying his hardest. And
4: this makes it less breaking mm-hmm. now that I have to wait to break it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is
2: just how CNN and ESPN do it. They tell the producer live on air, "Get that breaking news sound ready," and we're just going to vamp. We're yeah, but we're just- better than them. We're better than them. We're <laughs> we more.
4: There it is. Malik Newman will be joining me on tonight's episode of Waving the Wheat. Oh, Mr. March, Mr. March. That's right. You've helped.
2: already recorded the interview. Have you asked him about his excitement to be joining the Cleveland Cavaliers? Well, uh, what, did he get called up? Uh, he, he's he's like their version of uh, Edward Olivares. He goes up and down a little, every once in a while when they need a body.
4: Um, yeah, he's he's currently with the Cleveland Charge. Mm-hmm. He's kind of in that weird limbo where he's like too good for the G League but not good enough for the NBA. But he had like 36 the other night. He had 40 a couple weeks ago, so...
2: Big 12 tournament MVP, or M- oh, they call it MOP, don't they? Most outstanding player. I,
4: I think you know, the Final Four calls it MOP. I think uh, the Big 12 calls it MVP. So, yeah, if you want to hear from Malik, go uh, go check out the Wave in the Week podcast coming your way tonight after the brackets are released. Because we got to do a bracket reaction where, yeah. I can, where I can bitch and moan about how hard KU's region is.
2: Yeah, you can talk about how, you know, the, the nightmare matchup. Here it comes. Be ready. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Big 12 tournament, MOP, Kansas did win the thing yesterday. If for those of you who weren't watching, they did win the Big 12 tournament with a win over Texas Tech. I don't want to get to the nitty gritty of the actual game. What did you think of the da 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 da? But the big thing for me, Nick, and maybe I'm just tired of hearing about it for the last six months. Remy Martin played a lot and he looked like the Remy Martin that Kansas fans thought they were going to get. Is Remy Martin, I, it's a weird statement, but is he somewhat of an X-Factor for Kansas going into March uh, Madness? Because he looked, I mean, he's still Remy Martin. He's gonna, hes a volume shooter, and he's going to take bad shots, but he is a little bit of an energizer bunny and gives him a dimension that Dewan Harris doesn't. I mean, is he an X-Factor for Kansas?
4: I, I feel about X-Factor how Greg Popovich feels about X-Factor And that I don't know what that term necessarily means. It's the chief superfan. That's what I'm re- referring to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that asking guy, if Remy Martin is a chief super fan. On? Can we get him on? Can we get his thoughts on on uh, KU's path? Uh, no, I mean, Remy is really interesting, and I'll just give you a little uh, side here. Like, So Remy has been dealing with knee injuries. He's not been fully healthy. But aside from that, he all year he has just looked like a bad fit with Bill Self because— He wants to do his thing. He had four years of bad habits built up playing at some bad Arizona State teams where he basically got to do whatever he wanted. A lot of bad shot selections, a lot of off-script improvisation, and that's not going to fly at Kansas. Bill Self wants to run sets, and for sets to be ran correctly, every single person on the court has to be in the right spot and has to do their job, and that's just not how Remy plays. So even when he was healthy, he wasn't really fitting in in that regard, and then he got injured, so it's just been a mess, for lack of a better term. But now, Bill Self said earlier this week that he looks as healthy as he's been. I mean, He certainly looks about as healthy as, as I've seen him all year. He just looks quick. He brings that sort of quick twitch uh, speed to the game. that came, That's the reason why Kansas went out and targeted him in the offseason is because they needed more athleticism. They wanted to get quicker at the guard spot. He does that now. Do I think he's going to play 25-plus minutes a game the rest of the season? I don't. I think it's too late in the game to all of a sudden shake up your rotation that much. But what Bill Self will do, Robin, you know this, he will ride the hot hand. So as long as Remy Martin remains the hot hand, I think he will continue to get run on this team. But if you, know, you get into the second round against Memphis and all of a sudden he's turning the ball over, and he's screwing up offensive sets, and he's taking bad shots. They're gonna pull him, and and sometimes that's the only chance you get. Like you 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 mess up a few plays defensively, you're gonna be sitting on the bench, and your ass is gonna be parked there the rest of the game. So, uh, if if he can play like he did in Kansas City, it is a huge boon for Kansas in the NCAA tournament. But I guess I would say I, I'm taking it with a dash of skepticism that he's gonna be able to do that on a consistent basis, because that was really the first time all season we've seen him do that.
2: Yeah. And it ties back into your podcast. So this is well done by me to promote your stuff, but I kind of felt Great the job. same way about Malik Newman. remember he had a really good Kansas city and I kind of thought to myself, well, that's nice, but you can't really bet on Malik Newman. Cause we had a season's worth of meh from Malik Newman. And then all of a sudden Kansas city, he was a different player. And then that postseason in the NCAA tournament, he was incredible. He was he scored, what, 30 against Duke? And you could argue he was the cog for them beating Duke. So I'm not saying Remy's going to be a 30 point guy in the Elite Eight. I'm not, there's a lot still that can happen. But it does give me a little bit of Malik Newman vibes that a guy who, because of injury, didn't play much and didn't produce much this year for Kansas in Kansas City looked like the guy that Kansas thought they were getting. And if they can harness that and be that hot hand in March, Kansas has a little bit of a different dimension with him on the floor than when they don't have him on the floor.
4: Yeah, I would say this, and I think that a lot of people feel the same way, and honestly, it took me having to go back and look up the numbers to really be like, whoa, I guess that was a little bit different than I remembered. I think it's easy to because Malik was so good in March, we tend to think that he was really bad in the regular. Like Remy Martin this year, he averaged 20 minutes a game, He shot 34% from three, and he averaged seven points per game. Malik Newman played 32 minutes a game. He averaged 12 points per game, and he shot 41% from three. Like, he was significantly better in the regular season of 2018 than Remy Martin was this year, and he was playing significantly more. Like, he had a much bigger role on the team. To your point, though, and this is a, a, and you can hear this in the interview that's going to be released tonight, I actually asked Malik about what sparked his sort of um, outburst, right? His coming out party in March, and he said that at the end of the season, Bill Self kind of pulled him aside and sat him down and said, I'm done coaching you. I'm done telling you what I want to see. I'm done telling you what to do out there. Just go play. And he said that that was sort of freeing because all year he was sort of looking over his shoulders saying, am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right spot? Is this what the coaches want me to do? And the second that Bill Self just said, just go do your thing and win us some games, that it sort of maybe took some weight off his shoulders. And when I was watching Remy play over the last two days in Kansas City, I couldn't help but wonder if there's been a similar conversation between Bill Self and Remy Martin over the last week.
2: He did look more free. He did look more relaxed. I'm mostly excited. That he looks healthy and good because that means that my timeline will no longer be polluted with the beat writers tweeting that he's working out after the game or, you know, he's the first one out there or, oh, he's in sweats for shorts. What does that mean for Remy playing? I'm mostly excited. That he's playing because that means all the speculation and nonsense that surrounds. Will he play every day? Seems to have disappeared.
4: Yeah, I think so. And, and I mean, and the reason why that conversation persisted, it's not about, we've tried to make it about DeWan Harris, but it's that's not what it's about. It's about the fact that it, you just, you went out you, after at the end of the last season, Bill Self was very public about the fact that they wanted to get more athletic and quicker and more explosive from the guard spot. So they went and got Remy and they went and got Joe Yesifu. Yet yeah, here we are in March and it's been Dewan Harris, the guy who was already on the team last year. And nobody would you know the first words you you're gonna to use to describe Dewan Harris are not gonna be quick or explosive or athletic. So it's sort of this weird feeling of you said you were gonna go do this, you went and did it, and now those guys aren't playing because yes, they do provide the quickness and the explosiveness and the athleticness, but they're they don't have the same defensive prowess that DeWan does. They don't have the same calming presence. Rob, one thing that's like I feel like it's not gotten talked about enough this year because it's almost like too simple to talk about it, but this is a really bad passing team. Mm-hmm. How many times have you seen a guard like do this sort of drive and kick but they just can never hit the guy in his spot. They can never hit the guy in his in his like shooting form. Like so they're always having to jump to the side to try and grab the ball and save it from going out of bounds. I joked earlier this year, Kansas has to lead the country in passes thrown into the second row. Like, they're just not a good passing team. And Dwan Harris is a really, really exceptional passer. So that's the stuff that Bill is is looking for from the point guard spot. Even when he's had the explosive guards, whether it's Devon or uh, Devontae Graham, Frank Mason, they've also had that calming presence. And they they know where to be defensively. They know the, the offense front and back, every single set. They know where everybody's supposed to be. And that's just not Remy Martin. That's why that conversation's been been so persistent and so loud and honestly dude i hate to break it to you i think it's gonna pop up again because remy's gonna have a bad moment in the ncaa tournament and bill self's gonna bench him and then everybody's gonna be clamoring for him to play more again so like i don't think this conversation is over by a long shot
2: no remy martin is like groundhog day we're gonna be talking about him uh, this time next week and hopefully a few sundays after that Nick, I'll let you go. You'll be back with me at 11.30. We'll get some coffee, get geared up. You know, We'll talk about why Christian Brown never seems to shoot threes, and it drives me insane. We'll talk about that at 11.30 with you. So, but yeah. we'll take a break now on Sundays with Rob. We'll talk a little Chiefs football, and Royals baseball is back, baby. We'll talk about that. That's next on Sundays with Rob. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official
0: broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,